Thanks, Winnie. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name's Hans, uh, one of the pastors here. You'll need your uh, Bibles open to Romans 14, but have your finger in 1 John 4, because we'll, we'll go back and have a look at both of them. How about a pray? And we'll jump in. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, I pray as we look at your uh, word and this topic of tolerance this morning, you would help us to see um, what what we should be and how to get it so that we would live in harmony with each other. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Can I make a confession to you guys this morning? I hate politics. I I actually can't stand politics. It it just seems like when I look at social media or I look at TV, it seems like the different sides in politics are just trying to score political points. So much of the time, I, I always come away with no matter who's speaking, I go, I'm not sure the other side actually believes that. Because it seems like both sides say the other side is trying to destroy Australia or, or the world or kill people or doesn't care about these people or only cares about these people. It seems like it's only that. It seems like uh, both sides of politics actually don't listen to each other. And actually, if you have a look at our world, that seems to be more and more the case. We seem to be more and more fragmented. It seems like people of differing viewpoints, well, well, those viewpoints are getting more and more radicalised and we don't listen to each other. We just throw barbs over social media or in, or in conversation towards each other and we actually don't listen to each other and, it, and it's becoming more, more in, intolerant. And people say, actually, what we need is more tolerance. We need more tolerance because if, we, if we're more tolerant of people, therefore, there'll be more harmony. And I go, that sounds good. But I actually don't think it's that easy because I think our modern view of tolerance actually is a significant contributing factor in our fighting in social media and politics and ethics and everything that goes around today. And I actually think, as we're going to see, there's something far better than tolerance. Something far better than tolerance. And if we embrace this one thing, our world would be transformed. We will be able to listen to each other. There wouldn't be anywhere near the fighting. I, I think fighting would go away if we embrace this one thing. And, and so today we're going to look at three things as we look at this passage. We're going to see the modern version of tolerance. We're going to see what's better than tolerance and how to be better than tolerant. The modern version of tolerance, what's better than tolerant, and how to be better than tolerant. Well, let's have a look at the, the modern version of tolerance. And I'm really sorry, we're going to have to get a little bit geeky here. Just, just take that down for one second, Bobby. I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. Thank you, man. Because one of the things about the word tolerance is the definition of tolerance has changed. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was at a library and it had uh, a, um, a bunch of different Oxford dictionaries from the last 50-odd years. 
And I picked up one from 30 years ago, and here, the, the Oxford Dictionary from about 1993, here's the definition that comes up. Bobby, do you want to just put that up? Thank you. So here it is. It is allow, sorry, to allow or, or exist or to be done or practiced without authority of interference. So what it meant was that what we're going to do is if you're doing something or you believe something, uh, I'm going to allow you to believe it exists, it's, and I'm not going to jump in and, and say it's wrong. Here's a second definition from the same dictionary. To bear without repugnance, to allow intellectually or in taste, sentiment or principle to put up with. Once again, do you hear what it's saying? It's saying that if you've got a view or a, a lifestyle or a habit that I disagree with, that I may not like, I'll put up with it. But I won't. But but the whole point about these two definitions are, I don't have to agree with it. So, for example, you may be of a different religious persuasion than I am, and we can be really good friends. We can have a friendly disagreement about it, right? But I still think you're wrong, and you still think I'm wrong, and yet we'll disagree. Here's the, third, here's the third definition. This is from, this third one is from the Oxford Dictionary 2023. Sorry, I put the, put the little one in the wrong place. This last one is from the Oxford Dictionary 2023. The other two are from 1993. Here's what 2023 says. Willingness to accept behaviour and beliefs that are different from your own, although you might not agree with or approve of them. Now, what's, what, Bobby, keep that up for a second. What's really interesting is, the, is this word accept. Acceptance in, in tolerance nowadays means that even I may disagree with you or I may not like what you do, I've got to accept the validity of your position, the rightness of your position. What it's, what it's based on is this idea that everyone has got truth, no matter your position. So, if you're, uh, if you're a different religion to me, your, your religious truth is just as true as mine. And what I should do is accept that you've got truth. Or, if you are a different lifestyle to me, I've got to accept that, that that is a good and right lifestyle to me, even though I may not like it or approve of it. Can you see the big dif uh, the definitional change? It used to be that I could be friendly with you and totally disagree. Now, I've got to be friendly with you and totally accept everything that you believe is true and you do as right. And that's tolerance. It used to be that I may disagree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your ability and your freedom to say it. Now it is, if I disagree with you, I'm a bigot, and I should just accept it 100%. It's changed 
significantly. Now, Bobby, you can take that down. Let, let, me, tell, let me give you a story as to, as to why this new version of tolerance actually doesn't work. A number of years ago, I started a church in Newtown called Resolved. And especially in the first year, we had bunches of people who weren't Christians coming along, just checking out Jesus. And we were preaching through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we did the whole 24 chapters of the Gospel of Luke in about a year. And what was great about doing that is Jesus always says something to actually get under people's skin. And so there was always conversations afterwards. And I can remember one time I was having a conversation with a, a guy from, I think he was Iran. He was a Muslim, a devout Muslim. That was the first time he came to church. And he totally disagreed with what, uh, what I said and what the Bible said. Because what I said and what the Bible said is that Jesus is God and that he died on the cross for our sins and that he rose from the dead. And to a Muslim, that's not what they believe in. And so we had this friendly discussion where we absolutely disagreed with each other. He was telling me I was wrong and he was quoting parts of the Bible to me and I was, I was going, oh yeah, but you've got to put it in context and we were quote, and we were both having fun and everything was cool because we were friendly, but we totally disagreed. He thought I was absolutely wrong, and I thought he was absolutely wrong. We were tolerating each other based on the old definition. But what was happening is there was a few people listening to us, and there was a, a guy who was doing a PhD in postmodern literature. And he came and he said, hey guys, can I just say I'm really uncomfortable with this discussion. What you both need to see is that you are both right. What you need to see is, and he turned to me, hands, you need to see that, I forget the Muslim's name, but he's, he's right, he's true, he's got truth here. And what you need to see is hands, he's got truth here. And he said to us, you guys need to both be tolerant. And do you see what he's saying? He is saying tolerance means that, that I'm acknowledging both people are true. And therefore we won't have these discussions. And my Muslim friend was irate. He turned to him and he said words to the effect of, my religion says that Jesus is not God, he is a prophet. And that the only way to go to heaven is to, is to be a Muslim. And hands is absolutely wrong. That's what my religion says. He said, why don't you tolerate that? And everyone went quiet. And, and this guy who's doing the PhD kind of chuckled. And he said, oh, you're not getting me. It's kind of condescending. You're not getting me. L let me tell you a story. He, he said, imagine there's a bunch of blind people and they're around an elephant. And, and one, one, you know, one has got the tail and he's going, oh, I think this thing is a piece of rope. And, and the other one is, is going up against the, the, the elephant's uh, you know, leg and he's saying, no, 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 I think it's a tree. Another one grabs its ear and says, no, I think it is. I, 
feels like this weird leaf. Another one comes up against it and says, no, no, it's a wall. And he said, see, all the, um, all the people who have different religions have got a handle on the truth. And my Muslim friend is, said, you don't know how arrogant that is. Because what you're saying is that none of the religions have got a handle on the truth because it is not a piece of rope or a wall or a tree. It is an elephant, so they're all wrong. And what you're saying is you're the only one that can see that it's an elephant and you're the only one that's right. And at that point, red-faced, the PhD student walked away and walked out. See, he was saying... What you need to do is be tolerant and see that there's truth in all positions. But what he was actually saying is, you guys are absolutely wrong. You actually don't have the truth, but I do, and let me enlighten you. And so therefore, he was actually being extremely intolerant because he was saying every religion is wrong, but actually I know what's true. And you see, when you're saying, especially in a religious setting that every religion has truth and we should just accept that, there's only two ways that that could be true. The first is, if there is no God. And therefore, every religion kind of has has, mm, is on the same level as true. Or, that there is a God or gods, but they don't communicate and therefore don't reveal themselves. But the thing is, if you take Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Mormonism even, and a bunch of other religions, they all believe that God spoke clearly. And therefore, God has set the truth. See, if you believe that God can't speak or is not there, that those two beliefs are very white and Western. And if you are saying that people should believe those things, it's very imperialistic. And it's very intolerant. But maybe you're saying, well, Hans, I'm very tolerant. I, I, I just can't stand when people say that morality is wrong, a certain way of living is wrong, a certain way of... And I, but don't you see, you're saying, I don't like these people because they're judgmental. And what are you being? Judgmental. You, you see, when it comes to tolerance, our, our view of tolerance today, where we accept that everyone's got truth, everyone's thing, is actually extremely intolerant. And actually, we need something that is far better, far better than tolerance. So what's better than tolerance? It's all in Romans 14. If, you, if you've uh, turned away from it, pick it up. Um, we're going to look at Romans 14 and 1 John 4. Let me set, you, set the stage of, of, of Romans 14. What's happening in the background of Romans 14 is concerns about what to eat, right? Be, because if you were back in the day in Rome or in Corinth or, or any of the Greco-Roman cities uh, of, you know, back in the day, what you would be able to do, you go to a marketplace and you would be able to see meat there. And you would, you would generally know that this meat 
uh, came from an animal that was probably sacrificed to a pagan god. And even at the shop, you may have a statue of this pagan god that it was sacrificed to hang over the meat. And so there's two different groups of people in the early church. There were people who said, well, it doesn't really matter. We know idols are just, oh, just lumps of rock. It doesn't matter. So we're going to eat steak or whatever, whatever the meat is, right? And then there was a group of people that were saying, actually, this meat was sacrificed to an idol, so we can't do it because idols are, you know, idols are wrong and we don't want to you know, be seen to be worshipping idols. And so there's two groups. And this is a big thing, not only in Romans 14, but also in 1 Corinthians. And so what does Paul do? There's a number of things. Have a look at verse 1 with me. Romans 14, verse 1. He says, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak only eats vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Did you see, he says, there's a group of people who are weak. So he is saying that there's a group of people whose practice is wrong. He is not saying here at all that you have to say everyone's got truth. No, he is saying when it comes to meat, meat sacrificed to idols, there's weak and strong. There's wrong and right. And who is it? Have a look at verse 14 with me. Go down. He says this, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. So he is saying that he, Paul's got no problem if you're a Christian back in this day and there was a bunch of meat and, it was and that animal was sacrificed to a particular God, you could eat it because it's not unclean, go, go for it. And so therefore, he is saying the people that are weak are the people that have got a problem with eating this meat. And so the first thing he does is he actually makes distinctions between what is right and what is wrong. He calls them weak and strong at this point. But notice what he says in verse 10. Verse 10, he says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? He's talking to those people who say, I can eat anything. I can eat this meat. It doesn't matter if it was, it was uh, you, you know, from an animal that was sacrificed to a, cow, uh, to, 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 a, to a particular god. It doesn't really matter. I can eat it. And he's saying, you guys, why are you looking down your nose at other people? He is saying, even though you are right, why do that? You shouldn't be doing that. So even though he's saying, yes, you may be in the right, he's saying the wrong, it's totally wrong to look down on your nose at somebody else. But, but here's the other thing. Have a look at verse 1 again with me. There's that word except. 
accept. This is not the word that says, I've got a, I'm believing that you're right. You're just as right as me. No, we've established that. He thinks people who are not eating meat sacrificed to idols are wrong. But he's saying accept them. Well, what kind of acceptance? The word here means to draw in, to bring people in. It doesn't mean to say, hey, you're wrong, so you're going to sit way over there. No, what it means is, even though you are wrong, I'm going to bring you into my fellowship. Even though we disagree on this second order issue, we're going to love and care for each other. And in fact, in verse 15, he he says you are to act in love towards them. And what is loving? Loving is not going... You believe these things that are wrong, so I'm going to cast you away. Now, what Paul is saying, even though you believe these things that I think are wrong, I'm going to bring you near. I'm going to love you. You are going to be my friend. Why? Because Jesus died for this person and Jesus died for you. So why would you let a silly matter. Whether you should eat this meat or not, come between you. See, wouldn't it be amazing if this kind of love existed in our world? Wouldn't it be amazing if, even though I disagreed with you on this point, I'm not going to reject you or call you names. I'm going to love you as a friend. Because when you think about it, if I disagree with someone, I call them a bigot or something like that, is that, is that going to change their mind? No, it's not. But if I love somebody, if I love them, will that change their mind? Maybe over time it will. I remember a, a, a guy I grew up with He was, he came from the most racist family I have ever seen. He was white, he hated Aboriginals. They hated Aboriginals. And now he's married to an Aboriginal woman. And I, I remember when I heard that he was getting married to this Aboriginal lady... Uh, I remember email messaging my Facebook and I said, mate, look, uh, when we grew up, you were the most racist, bigoted person I've ever met. And now you're marrying an Aboriginal lady. Tell me what happened. And he said, one time when his father walked out on his mother, there was a bunch of Aboriginal friends or Aboriginal people in the community that came around and cared for their family dropped meals around, dropped food around, and cared and cared and cared. And he said, my, I changed my view of people because they loved me. See, what we need in, this commun- in our community is not more tolerance, but more love. Wouldn't it be great if, if we heard a, a modern-day politician get up and so summarise the ideas 
of, of the opposition party or, or, or the party that's against them in such a way that the opposition party will go, yeah, oh, you, you've nailed me. You, you've got that. Wouldn't, wouldn't, the, wouldn't it be so much better than even if we have people who have beliefs that are really wrong, we would love them so much that we wanted to ask why they hold those beliefs. And therefore, love may change. It was interesting when Martin Luther King fought for the rights of African-American men and women. He actually didn't do it by calling the other side names. He did it by loving them. He did it by trying to summarize their views as best as he could and then he would critique them. He said, hate is not going to drive out hate, but love will drive out hate. And he did that because he believed in the Bible's view of love. What's better than tolerance? Love is. But, but you're going to say, well, well hands, uh, that, that's really hard. You're, you're saying, I've got to love people who totally disagree with me. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got to love people who I find, you know, their views are kind of repugnant to me. Yes. How do you get the power to do that? Well, let's turn over to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, beginning at verse 7. Here John is talking to Christian church back in his day and he's talking about love. And he is saying, you've got to love one another. Why? Because if you love one another, that shows you're a person who follows God. If you don't love others, you don't follow God. But how do you know what love is? Have a look at verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Notice what he says, what, what love isn't. He, he is saying, it's not that we love God first. No, 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 no. What happened is God had to come into our mess. That, that word atoning means that we have sinned against God and God needed to provide a sacrifice to take that sin away. God loved us when we were totally rejecting him. See, it's a bit like this. I know I've used this illustration before, but I can't think of a better one. See, our modern version of love is a bit like this. We think God loves us because, you know, we're attractive or we're fantastic. It's, it's a bit like God is, is on the, you know, cosmic version of Match.com or something and he's, and he's swiping right or left or whatever you do on those apps and then he finds uh, uh, your photo, your profile and he goes, I'm going to love that person because they're so fantastic. That's the modern version of love. But actually the Bible says something totally, in fact, polar opposite. It's more like God is, is on YouTube and he sees you and I screaming, protesting, going, God is wrong, we hate God, 
down with God. We want God dead. And God says, those are the people I love. Those are the people I'm going to send my son to die for. I'm going to, I love those people that even though they are so against me, I'm going to send my son to die for them to deal with their sin. That's the biblical view of love. Uh, and see, when you realize that you have been loved like that, that's when you can love other people who may not be on your level on everything. Only when you have been loved like Jesus loves can you love like Jesus loves. Only when your the love of Jesus has become so real to you that you know that even though he, he, you rejected him, that he died for you. Only when you get that love on a heart level can you not tolerate, just tolerate people who have got different views, but you can love them. You can engage with them. What our world needs now most is not just more tolerance. It needs far more love. Love for our neighbour. I remember back at my old church, uh, in the week leading up to our election, I was very, very nervous for the, the coming Sunday. Because we had some people who have been campaigning very strongly for Labour. And then we had some people, and we only had 30 people at church, right? So we had some people who were, who were you know, those people who, who you go to an election booth and they go, oh, you know, vote for Labour, this is how, blah, blah, blah. And then we had some people who were, who were, who were doing that for the Greens. And then we had a few people that were doing that for, for the Liberals. And I can remember, I, I forget who won, but I know that the Liberal Party, it was, it was a success for them, even though I don't think they won, but it doesn't really matter. And I can remember just seeing social media that Sunday morning and all the people who were going, who, who were telling people to vote for Liberal, they were, they were ecstatic. And, and then there was the people who, who have said vote for Greens and Labor. They were just furious. And I was like, this is going to be the hardest Sunday service I've ever experienced. And what was really interesting was after church, I saw people, some who were passionately saying you should vote Liberal, others saying you should passionately vote for Greens. They were talking and they were laughing. And they were praying for each other. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so, so, uh, so I just went up to them. I said, wait, 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 I don't want to stir the pot, but you voted green and, and you, you, you think she was wrong and uh, you voted liberal, blah, blah, blah. How's this? And I can remember the person who voted for green just laughed at me as if I was silly. And she, and she said, Hans, don't you realise that yet when you've been shown great love, when we were so sinful, God showed us great love. How can't I love people who I may disagree with? And he said, we're on about something far bigger than politics. We're on about the love of the Lord Jesus. 
And that's why we can talk about politics and everything, it doesn't really matter. Because guess what? What matters is the love of Jesus. And the great thing about a church community is if you have a look around, we're all different people from different backgrounds and yet we put those aside. Why? Because we've experienced something far better than tolerance. We've experienced the love of Jesus and we share that with each other. What the world needs now is not more tolerance. It needs the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that our world would actually not become more tolerant. It will become more truly loving. That, that the, the love of Jesus will be so revealed to us that we would love our friends as you have loved us. We would love those who, who we may disagree with strongly and passionately, but just as we strongly and passionately disagree with them, may we strongly and passionately love and care for them. Help our church to be a church where we may disagree on things like who to vote for or how to deal with uh, you know, different types of conflict and, and those kind of things. But help us to be united in the fact that Jesus has died for us and loves us. And we've got to share this with the world. Lord, I pray for those of us here that came in thinking that what we need now is more tolerance. But they're going, help them to go away with what they need now is more love. And we pray that they have experienced this love in the Lord Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.